Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for Real People, Real Topics, Real Talk. Let's face it. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. You're listening to Let's Face It Radio, um, May the 10th. Hope everyone is doing well. How are you, Alicia? I am great. How are you? I'm doing extremely good. Had a great, 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 great weekend. How was your weekend? You're not a mother, right? So, but, you know, did you do anything with your mom no. today? Yes, I you did. You didn't? <laughs> oh, yes, okay. I did. Okay, okay. I, I did. I don't know if no. Okay. <laughs> we... We had a very good Mother's Day. Did you? That's good. Yes, that's really we good. Did. How was your week? You know, that's what Mother's Day is all about. How was your day? Yeah, it is. My day was good. My day was good. Um, talked to my mom today. Um, talked a little bit about um, my grandmother, her mother. Um, she was the only child, so it was a rough day for her. But um, God kept her strong throughout it. Um, but it was a good week. You know, my birthday was this past Wednesday. I want to thank you for coming out to my surprise birthday dinner last night. That was that was amazing. Um, I felt really good. And, you Aww. know, of course, I drink now. Remember, I drink now, so I had my drink. <laughs> that ain't got nothing my, to my do one, with me, my, y'all. I had my one little drink um but it was really good. So I had a good weekend, good birthday. Um, I graduate from college next Saturday, the 16th. So yes, things Lord. are really looking good. It's a really good time in my life right now. Yeah. All right. All right. That's always good to hear. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I think it's too funny. I think it's too funny. Because if the listeners follow us on Facebook, I told them that every time you take a day off, I get more work. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, we started with the website, and you know what? Yeah. You were doing a great, you were doing an excellent job at that. Excellent Thank job. You, you know, you. we started with the Thank Facebook you. page and the website, and this week, mm-hmm. listeners, if you're paying attention, he has overhauled the website. Now we're on Stitcher. Yes. Now we're on iTunes. We're on Tuned In. We tweeting. We posting on Instagram and a whole bunch of other social media stuff that I don't remember. <laughs> and we'll soon be coming on iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio is coming soon. There we too. go again. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we good go thing again. Coming. That's good. good All that is really good. Yes, yes it is. Yes, yeah. it is. You know, and I guess you had time since you were out there turning up on your birthday a week and a half early, yeah. even though your birthday yeah. was only this past Wednesday. But that's okay. That's all right. Hey, all May. All of May is my birthday. That's what I'm celebrating. Oh, all of May. Lord, have mercy. Lord have mercy. Yeah. But you know, I can't. I can't even say anything because you're another Taurus. So you know how we do. Yeah. That's, That's what how we, we do. do. That's how we do it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> help, Lord. Exactly. Help, Lord. And speaking so of help, Lord. Yes. Speaking of help, Lord. Yes. You know, this is actually a topic that I'm looking very forward to discussing. 
You know, tonight's mm-hmm. show is titled The Inclusive Church, Fully Embrace and Include LGBTQ People into the Life of the Church. Now, you know, mm-hmm. that alone is a mouthful, but despite recent legislation, I just don't think America is 100% ready to embrace this concept. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. fortunately, you have... Well, you know, fortunately tonight we have hey. a few brave men and women of the cloth that are ready to have an open and honest discussion on the subject. Um, so when we come yeah. back from commercial, we are going to have Pastor Darren Phelps of Bethel Christian Church in Washington, D.C. And, you know, the unique thing about his church is it's described as a Christian, progressive, radically inclusive Pentecostal church. Uh, so we will hear from him later. We're going to delve into what inclusion is, what's the difference in, the, in an all-inclusive church or, you know, in an affirming church, as well as other questions on the topic. Mm-hmm. Right, and, right, then, right. and then, making her third appearance on the show, we have no other than educator, author, motivational speaker, but also ordained minister at Empowered Believers Christian Learning Church in Hampton. And Tanya, welcome back to the show. And again, could you just tell us a little bit about you as it relates to this topic? Tanya, are you there? Okay, we may have a little bit of technical difficulty. <laughs> That's okay. okay. <laughs> but yes, we're we're happy to have her back to the show. Um definitely to share her her side of the inclusion yeah. topic and how it affects her as a minister. Okay. Um we want to make sure that you guys also know that we have um quite a few ways that you can be a part of this show. You know, you can always call in at seven one three Nine five five zero seven nine three. Make sure that you press one so that we can identify you um, and bring you on to the call. But you can also go to our Blog Talk homepage at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Let's Face It Radio Show. You will have a special feature there where you can actually chat live with us and with each other. So the listeners can chat about what's going on. You can pose questions for us to present and respond to on the air, perhaps ask our guests. And then you can always go to letsfaceitradio.com, and we also have a chat feature there. But, you know, when we return, right, we're going to bring Pastor Darren Phelps of the Bethel Christian Church um, onto the show, right? Yes. So you're right. So you're listening to Let's Face It, um, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Let's Face It, one of the hottest talk radio shows on the web. Are you looking for more exposure for your brand, product, event, or special story? Let's Face It Radio is the place for you. We're also seeking guest experts specializing in sex and relationships, health and wellness, 
politics, law, spirituality, and religion, just to name a few. Looking for low-cost marketing opportunities? Well, look no further. We offer multiple advertising campaigns via website ads or audio commercial opportunities played live during the show. Visit www.letsfaceitradio.com and complete the appropriate contact form for more information. What's up? This is Edge Martinez for Life Beat. The music industry fights AIDS. Every hour of every day, two young people are infected with HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. Don't be one of them. Protect yourself. If you choose to have sex, use a latex condom. If you need to get tested, call your local AIDS service agency. For more information, go log on to www.lifebeat.org. I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time. It's something to remember so they won't forget our Former club members Denzel Washington and Jennifer Lopez for the Boys and Girls Clubs. Every child follows a path in life. For many, that path will lead them to a door, a door that gives them a place to grow, to learn, to belong, a place to forge their future. For 100 years, the Boys and Girls Clubs have opened this door for America's youth. You can change a child's future. Support your local Boys and Girls Clubs. Great futures start here. To learn how you can support your local Boys and Girls Clubs, visit greatfutures.org. Welcome back to Let's Face It. Tonight's show is on the topic of an all-inclusive church. And, of course, we'd like to welcome to the show Pastor Darren Feltz of Bethel Christian Church. And I'm going to let him share with us um, a little bit about his ministry and his role as it relates to an inclusive church. How are you doing, Pastor uh, Feltz? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. Good, good, awesome, awesome. It's good to be back with you guys today on this evening. Yes. Just, you know, a few technical difficulties, but apparently you're on the line, so yeah. I think we have everything it's, it's under control. That <laughs> I hear you, you hear me. Yeah. Praise well, Lord. you know why we had technical difficulties is because Will was trying to take my month. My birthday was May 1st, so he can't talk to me about that. But listen, well, I one appreciate thing, One thing about uh, it. One thing about it, Pastor Phelps, is you'll always be older than me, and I appreciate Oh, that. Lord. You better be careful. There's going to be some, you know, all of the Bethel folk are saved and delivered, but they will rise up against you now. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. We don't want that. I think we just better go right on off that topic. <laughs> okay. Amen. 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 Well, you know, we, we did say earlier, that your church is described as a progressive, <clears throat> radically inclusive Pentecostal church. Yes. That's a mouthful in itself. But could you explain to us exactly what that means? 
Sure, and I would uh, also add that not only are we radical and Pentecostal um, and inclusive, but we're also a social justice uh, ministry and church. Um, there are uh, different levels uh, to the work that God has called us to do. As you know, we're almost seven years old, and God has placed us in uh, the Washington, D.C. area to reach people who are not just LGBT, while the majority of our congregation is LGBT. But when we think of what it means to be inclusive, uh, it's a step beyond uh, just affirming. And what I mean by that is I can affirm someone because of their struggles with uh, their prison record or uh, their disability or how they identify themselves and their gender expression. But we move to the place of saying not only we're we going to love you and welcome you, but inclusivity says that we're going to tap into your gifts and we understand that God created you the way that you are and allow you the opportunity to not just sit at the table but help to prepare the table and even serve others. Inclusivity for us means whether you're differently abled, whether you're black, whether you're white, whatever your social economic class is, uh, however you identify and express yourself, we believe that the full rainbow and the breath of God should exist in the house called Bethel, which is where God shows up. Amen? All right. Amen. Now, Amen. what makes Amen. that so different from how we call typical church in America? Yeah, well, first of all, I believe this is the way that God already always designed it. Uh, when you look through the New Testament and you see where there are opportunities where the church folks tried to stone people who were caught in adultery or people who were dis differently abled, uh, people who were black, even when you go back in and you read the text and it talks about how slaves should obey their masters, Lord have mercy, if we were still under that, I would still be a slave. But Jesus said, mm. I came to fulfill the law. That means that the law that we could not fulfill because it wasn't working, because God wanted to allow grace, that's the difference in the place. We're not abusive. We're not in a place where we put women and women in the back or put children in the back and only men in bow ties and black suits are the only ones who get to speak. But everybody, the priesthood of everyone, has something that God can use to advance the kingdom work here. All right. And, Pastor Phelps, why do you think it's taken so long for LGBT inclusion to become such a hot topic? Well, a couple of things. First of all, you've got to deal with the fact that there are some people who are preaching the hate from the pulpit are also a part of the LGBT community, and they'd rather live on the low mm. than live in their authentic self. That's number one. We've got to call it what it is. Mm -hmm. Amen. You know, you've got a nose mm -hmm. on your face. you also got to call out the DL people. That is what it is. Uh, then the other yeah. thing that's important is that I don't understand why the church who talks about the love of Christ can then want to put people in bondage when the scripture quick, quickly says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't understand that. I don't get that, how you can tell me that you love me, you want to use my gifts, let me do your hair, help me do your choir, do all these great things. But if I tell you that I'm gay, you've got a problem with that. There's something contrary to what I believe God's plan is. People are scared, they're nervous, they even think they're going to catch what we have. Amen. Lord, you can't catch this, and if you do, you should look at it as a gift because if God allowed us to be who we are, I look at it as a unique privilege and a gift to walk in my authentic self. All right. Hmm. 
you know, someone else that I mentioned earlier, um, you know, we were having technical difficulties, so I believe she is now on the line. Uh, Minister Tanya Lieberman? Hello. Yes, we have you here. Good evening. And once again, we have you back here to co-host. Um, just want to give you a moment to also ask Pastor Phelps a question. Um, but as I said earlier, you're also an ordained minister at Empowered Believers Christian Learning Center in yes. Hampton. And what, yes. um, what was your question for Pastor Phelps? Well, basically, um, I wanted to hear his theological perspective on how, does, does he believe that the LGBT and Christian um, I just want to hear his stance on how how he bases that within the church. You know, do you believe that you can be LGBT and Christian? But then just give me your theological perspective as well. Absolutely. I believe that you can be who you are in your authentic self, being gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersect. I believe that God can uh, still be present in your life. You could be Holy Ghost-filled, baptized, born-again believer. Uh, There are many scripture references that I believe are used against the LGBT community. When you start thinking about the story of Solomon and Gomorrah, for example, one of those great clobber passages that many Mm -hmm. people on the other side of the table use, When you really look at that text, God's challenge was a couple of things. Number one, they wanted to do some sexual advances with angels and have all of this other stuff going on. And then Mm -hmm. the other challenge in the text is that God was displeased because of their lack of hospitality. My God, I can prove a lot of different things, because when you really get into the fact about Jonathan and David and how they had made a covenant after a horrific situation that happened in their life, it almost sounded like a marriage vow to me, that no matter what happened, that David left his own family and decided to stay with Jonathan, amen, and uh, and kept his commitment. That's some powerful love stories that go on in the text. And then you can deal with the eunuch and how many times they were called to uh, take care of the people and serve the people and clean them. And they wanted to castrate them because they thought that the only thing that they could to change someone is to cut one's genital uh, expressions and that Mm -hmm. would stop them. But, Lord, you can't stop who you are internally. What God made you Mm. is who you are. Right, right. Well, tell me, um, how has the LGBT community, how have they been treated within the church up until now? (laughs) Well, I can talk from my experiences. And many of our members who are LGBT, I can say that the church has not stood up and what they've said that they believe God is. God is love, and and this is Mm -hmm. what we expect, but oftentimes it's not. There are many times where they'll use people. Unfortunately, they have taken our boys and our girls and done some horrific things to them sexually, trying to change Mm -hmm. them or use them. You know how the story is. We're always finding this stuff out in the news. That's a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. But as a stance, as a whole, the church has not done what I believe that God is supposed to do. Whosoever will... Let them come, amen, mm-hmm. to the table and let them eat of the bread of the fruit of the Lord. Mm. Uh, well, thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Well, Pastor um, Darren, I, I, I'm, it's funny calling you that because, you know, I, I look to you as my mentor and my big brother. Um, Bless you. But, you know, you and I have shared many times, you know, the pain that I've experienced going from church to church. 
but um, how has your personal journey led you to this cause and being so passionate about it and helping others um, come to recollect, you know, th- their past hurt um, with Christ? Sure. Well, a couple of things, and I certainly want to respect the time. You know, I started in the ministry when I was young. Uh, This is actually my 24th year as an ordained pastor, Uh, and I pastored my first Mm -hmm. church at 24 years old. God bless them, amen, for calling me Mm -hmm. and allowing me to minister to them and do that work. So this has been some journey. I'm almost 50 years old, and I don't take anything for my journey. So this is informed, practical, but also spiritual work and theological perspective that I've done some uh, some work, amen, not only on myself, but I've yeah. asked God some questions about what's going on. But in the perspective of where we're coming from and where I am and what's informed me, it's been all of that journey. But what I've discovered, and thank you for calling me your mentor, my experiences have taught me that God wants a church just like ours uh, to be Pentecostal, to be inclusive, to be radical, and to be social justice. That's what I believe that God's called us to do, to make sure that we're not just making people feel good on Sunday morning, but we're also feeding the sick, we're clothing the naked, we're giving housing to the folks, helping people to read and to write, giving them jobs, all of the things, the tenets that I believe that God's called the church to do. Mm. Mm. That's amazing. And in our talks, I'll just say, not to, you know, to, to, to expose too much of it, but how do you feel about members of the LGBT communities who choose to stay in churches that harm them, that bash from the pulpit, um, just staying to be the change of the church, hoping um, basically being tolerated? How do you feel about yeah. that? What do you have to say to those people, including myself, well, who find themselves in that position? Yeah, I will use this analogy. I remember my mother telling me a story when we had to get immunizations as a child. I think she told me it took about five people to hold me down to get my immunizations. And the word was I was supposed to tolerate it. It was painful, but it was necessary. Now, I can't see where it was necessary. And when I look at the abuse that spewed out on a continuous basis in some quote-unquote churches or, uh, or, or synagogues or wherever your, your place of your faith is, I don't see God's hand of grace or mercy in any of that. There is a necessary suffering that goes in our everyday life. The Bible does speak that we're going to be full of trouble and only for a few days here. But I don't want unnecessary foolishness that should come from church folks who are supposed to love me and embrace me or, or because now they're fearful of who I love or who I choose to be because this is who God created me. But here's what I would say. You look at people who are in horrific situations, they can't find their way out, people who are in violence and domestic violence, they don't have the energy or the fight to get out. That's why I love Bethel mm-hmm. and places and people like Bishop Yvette Funder because we are the voices of the change to help people live on purpose. That you don't have to sit there, let them take your money, use your gifts, you know, then want to sleep with you on the slide, and then tell you, no, you <laughs> can't be ordained or you can't speak, you don't have a place here. That ain't God's plan for our life. So I stand on the side. And I'm ready because there's a lot of preachers who come to me by night because they're trying to figure this thing out. I get it, amen? But one of the things is mm-hmm. we've gotten too comfortable, and we need to call the, you know, the sound of the alarm and tell people, wake up, amen. There is a better way than sitting mm-hmm. there and not knowing when the next sucker punch is going to come. You don't have to sit in that pulpit wondering when someone's going to hit you. Get your hind parts up, take all your stuff, and if you can't take your stuff, get out of there and flee to the place of liberation. Mm. 
But you know, th- this has always been my this has always been my issue. P- places like DC, places like um, Atlanta, uh, places like LA, the big bigger cities, um, they have a plethora of churches, affirming churches, welcoming churches, and, and, and churches that um, have LGBT pastors. Areas like mine, they don't even have that. Not, not I haven't even really found one that has, like you said, that Pentecostal flavor, which I'm accustomed to and which I, you know, prefer. Um, that are even inclusive, let alone affirming. Um, so I, it's like I'm if I'm going to go to church, I have to go there and I have to pick what I'm going to take, and then I have to spew out the rest, which is not a pleasant experience. I like to go where I can enjoy the whole service. So that's just been like the problem that I have run into. Yeah, um, well, I, I will share one thing. More doesn't always mean better, uh, because in some cases, we there are some folks, and I'll say this from my vantage point who have escaped the abusers, and I'll just say just like that, and only to emulate the same stuff that was going on there. There are even some inclusive churches who don't allow women to preach, who have problems with my bishop being a woman. There are some, I can get into all kinds of stories from my own experiences. Even though I'm inclusive, people don't necessarily embrace the Bethel because we're Pentecostal, and we're not just trying to make you feel good, but we want to do change. That's why we own a building. That's why we talk about feeding Mm -hmm. people and give, you know, there's work to be done beyond just making you feel good on Sunday morning. We've got some real demons and devils we've got to unpack and fight. Mm -hmm. But I will say this to you. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe God's got a calling on your life, and you can start a Bethel in Norfolk. Amen. I'll come and help you hey. for a minute, but i got to hey. come home to our folk. Amen. <laughs> you never know. Hey. Amen. I'm just, I'm just saying. You, you just never know. Just prayer. Amen. Yeah, I felt the Lord I felt may send you somebody. Start some fire. You're right. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere, but I'm just saying. Amen. You know, Pastor hey. Phelps, okay. I do have a question to you, a follow-up question on that. Um, you know, so many times, you know, we're set in a ministry, and I, I completely understand Will's question. You know, how long are you going to sit there and just take something and feel out of place and feel like you need to leave? When mm-hmm. is that time to cut off? But also, is there a possibility that you may be placed in that church, and in those times of uncomfortability, there's a reason you're there and God is trying to use you? I so would when agree did we with that. Get that. That line. Yeah, I would agree with that, but not abuse and not violence. There's a difference when you at least are getting something. But if you are going to church and you leave there, like my grandmother used to say, worse than when you went in, then that's a problem, <laughs> and you should be asking God about what's going on. Um, okay. No church is perfect. Even as beautiful and as wonderful as Bethel is, there are still things that we want to do better and grow in. But there is a difference than being in a place and tolerating constant abuse, especially if you know this pastor is also trying to get your number on the side. You see what I'm saying? That creates mm-hmm. a different challenge. Now, someone just stuck on tradition and God's allowing you, and I wish I had time. I could tell you that there were strategic times that I know God placed me in other churches, and I look at what those ministries are doing now. Now, I won't say that I was the vehicle of change, but I believe that one plants a seed, one waters, and, you know, one harvest, that there's times and seasons in our lives. Amen. Mm -hmm. And we've got to appreciate Mm -hmm. that. But if you are there, be diligent, but also be aware and alert, because if your time is to do the work, make sure you're focused on the work. Amen. But also be aware Mm -hmm. of when it's time for you to get the hand fat out of there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) God's plan for you. Because we can stay too long sometimes. Amen. 
Amen. Right. I really don't have a, I, I've never had a problem with leaving. I think people Amen. probably say I'm a church hopper. But I, have, I have no problem. Like you said, if I'm going to get my finances and all that and my time, talent, the least you can do is respect me. I'm not yes, asking you to believe anything, but the least that you can do is respect me. Um, so well, I well can I tell you a quick story real quick? Yeah. Or, or yeah. Can I tell you a quick story? So I remember I was in the Amy Church. I was going to be ordained in Amy Church and the whole story anyway. And so I went to go preach one day. I'm going to make this very, very quick. Uh, as a woman pastor, I realized she had googly eyes on me. You know, I, I mm. wasn't feeling it for obvious reasons. But I remember that uh, Sunday I invited some of my friends, and they came in just as glorious as they would come into church. Amen. <laughs> So, you know, they came in just like they came in. This was just before the sermonic selection. And if you know anything about high church, that means the preacher's getting ready to come up after the sermonic selection. She leaned to me. She says, are these folks with you? And I said, yes. She says, well, that's a problem for me. And while the song's going on, she's whispering to me. And then finally she told me, well, you're not going to be able to preach today um, because we can't have, we've got to be careful about what spirits follow us. And I had to get mm. up and I left before the preaching moment, and walked out right then. That was a part of my change, because I realized that if you don't want my gift, you're not going to abuse my anointing, and you're certainly not going to make me embarrass my God. And uh, and that was okay. I went in the back, I cried, I wallowed a little bit, my mother helped me to the car, and I never looked back. Can I just ask you a question about that? I keep asking questions, but, okay, in that case, she saw your friends, that were in church, she asked, were they with you? And because they, whatever she perceived from their presentation, mm-hmm. and it was glorious. you were not supposed to, <laughs> <laughs> you were not supposed to, to minister that day? Right, that's right. That's what she said to me. Absolutely. What? It's in, it'll be in my book. So when you get the book, I'll give you the details okay. of it, okay? Uh, okay. <laughs> but after that, she stopped me from preaching. That. You can't understand that? No, I, I, I don't understand that scenario. Oh, well, I couldn't either. You know, first I thought it was an attack of the enemy, but then I realized that God will sometimes shut doors that we don't have the capacity or the courage to do for ourselves. And I kept oh. trying to make it work, and it wasn't work. And I knew that I was miserable. And it was even my mentor, who's, you know, my former pastor of Amy Church, he had already told me long ago, why do you keep going the same way? Lord have mercy. Y'all know that text. Why do you keep going? You, you've you gone around this mountain enough times, Lord Jesus. Uh. <laughs> uh. Wow. Right. Well, I have a question, Pastor Phelps. Um, a lot of times, you know, people... Uh, do things out of ignorance or, you know, they stand on things and, you know, they're, they're, they're grounded in things that other people don't understand. So what I want you to do is can you please define the words, and if there's a difference, please share, of the all-inclusive church and the affirming church, you know, because they're used interchangeably. Sure, absolutely, and I must say that that is a pet peeve of mine. Um, okay. From my understanding, to affirm someone means just that, that we affirm you, you did a good job, you're mm-hmm. welcome here, come sit down here. But to be mm-hmm. inclusive means that you're now, you can take partic- you can participate in leadership, uh, we're going to use your gifts, we're going to tap into your gifts, we're going to get to know you. This is just as much my church as it is your church, uh, just as I'm sure that our straight women and men who come to our church, no matter what their socioeconomic, they feel that this is a, their church. They will tell you today that I am their pastor. You could not tell them any different. Amen. That part mm-hmm. of what happens is we've got to include everyone, meet 
meet them where they are and not just say, okay, I know you're a little different than me or that you don't really fit or you're not rich enough or black enough or you're not straight enough or not masculine enough. We're going to put you here in these boxes. But when we think about inclusivity, you can come in whoever you are. There are plenty of times when I'm preaching, Tanya, Minister Tanya, and there are people who will come in from the street and they can look and smell quite different than the person who have a fine job and drove themselves and had a good breakfast. And there are times I, I tell them, don't you bother anybody. They're just as included here as anyone else. Amen. And Amen. That's, that's part of the difference. That's the part of the difference. And inclusivity does not just stop from me allowing gay, bisexual, transgender, gender nonconforming uh, people to have a seat at the table. But it's for everyone, black, white, Latino, immigrants, people with prison records, people with no homes, people eating out our trash cans in front of our building. You are included and welcome to come sit at the table. See, your affirmation only stops with me just hugging on you and loving you, but then I don't mm-hmm. have anything else to do with you after that. But I want to include you mm. in everything. I want nice. you to tap into everything that God has for you. That's what God's called us to do. Well, he's called us to love his people. I mean, I had a conversation, and I'm going to ask this question based on it, you know, because you nailed it right there, you know. People come to the church not to find out what's wrong with them, but to be healed, to be fixed. And, you know, I'm sure all of us attend church for many different reasons, but one of them is that reason. You know, we're dealing with struggles and issues, and we find it in the Word. And a lot of times people will be healed by using their gift. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. what advice would you give a pastor or a minister to make his or her church fully inclusive while minimizing the loss of its members for those who may agree or disagree? Well, first of all, they've got to do the homework themselves and be able to articulate the word of the Lord as it is interpreted. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I will share this that I think is very important, is that we want a Logos and we want a Rima word. We know that the word is written, but God is still Mm -hmm. speaking. You know, when my grandmother came around, she didn't know nothing about any microwaves, and here we talking about microwaves. When my grandfather was around, he never had a cell phone, and now many of us have gone through our 10th or 15th or 100th cell phone, depending on where you are. Amen? (laughs) If you had told me when I started teaching in the 80s that my grandchildren, who are four and five years old, would have better uh, uh, intelligence around the computer than people in their 20s or 30s, that would blow our minds. Why do I say that? It's because when you think about the fact we put limits on God, God's Holy Spirit's job is to continue to breathe in us and give us new life and to give us opportunities to grow. And I'll say this, if I were to talk to another preacher who's trying to sort of struggle with that, I'll say if God's still speaking to you, then you ought to give God that same God the opportunity to speak to the members in the congregation. But there's some practical Mm -hmm. steps that I would encourage them to do. I would tell them to go and get some tools. You know, uh, Elder Dr. Nancy Wilson has a great book on outing the Bible. You know, our own bishop, uh, Yvette Flunder, talks about where the edge gathers. And then you can talk and go through a lot of good, good research that's out there about biblical information. You know, Miles Siler has a book, Exile and Embrace. And now he's brought a whole congregation uh, into the place where now they have an out lesbian pastor who's passing a historical church in North Carolina, of all places. So God Mm -hmm. is doing some work. And there are models Mm -hmm. out there where people have shifted and said, you know what, we want to do a better job in being inclusive and being radical and not just affirming. Amen? Right. So Mm -hmm. in the steps, connect with people who are around you who are doing this work. 
finding out who your calling is, understanding that God is still in charge, and then the fear will dissipate about what you could lose. We only gain by being our authentic self. We only gain by going under the bridges and the sidewalks and in the palaces and really get all of God's people. You know how beautiful it is for me to stand there in Bethel on Sunday mornings and see people from all walks of life giving God mm-hmm. the glory and lifting their hands and singing or crying. Or, Lord, sometimes they do carpet mm-hmm. duty. depends on what's happening. That is a beautiful <laughs> place to be. Amen. Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. Right. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Amen. Well, I, so that's amen. just a little bit of another, advice. Okay. Well, I have another question then. Um, I, I I happen to run into a lot of different people, different orientation, male or female, okay? And I work in the music industry, and some of them are very open about um, their lifestyle. And my thing is I've seen them hurt by people who say, oh, no, they can't, they can't play on those drums or whatever. And it hurts. It breaks my heart. And I'm asking you, how do you – how do you minister to the people who get hurt who are trying to use their gift? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there is no place like church hurt. I have I had hurt. There is, I have been hurt by a lot of people and a lot of things. Even I have disappointed myself. But there's nothing like church folk who will hurt you. This is why I thank mm-hmm. God that I have believers around me. There's a whole big difference. Hey, man, trust me. But here's what I would say, too, and I want to sort of put a little pause button. Um, we've got to move from saying lifestyle because it's not a choice to be who we are. The choice is is to live in our authentic self. My lifestyle mm-hmm. is if I choose to live in an apartment or if I choose to walk today or if ice cream or don't have ice cream today. That's a part of my lifestyle. But sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression has nothing to do with my lifestyle. To me, that's one of those phrases that need to be redefined or abolished. Amen. And so your question yeah. is about people who are coming out or people who think someone is a part of the LGBTQIA community and they ostracize them. The other thing that I would suggest is, again, those folks need to do a good job in creating community and creating folks around them and continue to establish those places where we're educating and empowering. But here's the thing that I will tell you. As an African-American man who loves the Lord and is Holy Ghost-filled, I am always going to have some haters. Amen? I have a lot of hats that I wear, and I'm okay with that. Amen? But I also got some enemies. So you're not going to completely abolish and erase those places. But one of the things that I understood, and the text teaches me, that God will use your enemies as your footstools. And one of the things I would tell these folks is that when people hate you, look at how God's going to use those haters and those enemies to move you to where you need to be. Because a little pressure sometimes will get you up off your old dusty rusty, you know what I mean, amen, somebody, and get you moving sometimes. So, so, and encourage them. And then, Tanya, I don't know where you are with the LGBT uh, community at all, but maybe since you're hearing this and saying that, you can love on folks and continue to guide them and give them the wisdom to let them know that there's nothing wrong or broken or mentally ill about who you are because God created you to be that person. Okay. You'll get my stance on this. I was about to say, when we come back from commercial, we will definitely hear where she stands. But, you know, we do have a call on the line. We have a commercial, yeah. We do have a call We have a call on the line. We have. Hello, this is. Hello. Nate, I believe. Yes. Hey, how y'all doing today? How are you? Oh, wow. Can you hear me? Great. We certainly First, I would can. like to say congratulations 
on your new network, um, Will and Alicia. Um, you guys are doing an Thank awesome you. job. Then I Thank have you. to say Thank to you. my pastor, Pastor Darren, you better preach on tonight. Um, <laughs> but I have a question. I have a question, though. As a openly um, gay man, and really don't care who know it, but being that music is my ministry, and I know that it is my ministry, do you suggest that one go in and tell, or should it just, I mean, I, I don't know, how how would you address that if you receive a position? Mm-hmm. You want me to answer that? Yes, sir. Okay. So, you know, there's a couple of things. You've got to weigh the cost in coming out. Um, I can't tell you what your cost is in coming out and living your authentic self, but in my experience, um, when I came, well, first of all, let me let me tell you this. The only reason why I sort of stayed on the low is because when I was married to a woman, I knew that she was really hateful towards LGBT people, and I did not want to lose my children. There was never a time in my life where I hated myself because I was saying you're in the loving, and that's a whole other conversation. But coming out is a process. It is a journey. It takes a level of courage and a level of tenacity. Once you come out, you can't go back in. Amen. Once that door is open, it's open, and you must do something about it. So you've got to discern when is it, how is he going to do that. And I tell you the reason why I tell folks is because there are some young people who come to me and say, Pastor, I want to come out, but I'm living with my mom. Well, you're going to have a little problems coming out until you're able to stand on your own feet unless you're going to make a decision Mm -hmm. that you're going to go and live on the street to do something else. That's not my advice Mm -hmm. to someone. Amen? So you've got to discern what that is. But I will believe this, and and you know this how I am. I believe your gift will make room for you. And if God truly wants to use that part of you as a spokesperson, that just like in Tone and some of these other folks who've come out, they took a lot of hell, a lot of heat, and a lot of grief, that God will cover you and God will protect you, amen, and honor the gift that God's instilled upon you. I've seen God do it. You know, Bishop Flunder, Mother Miller, there's many people who have come out after doing these heroic work and being even in Church of God in Christ and have gone around and, you know, Mother Miller used to, it was one of the singers that sang, Oh, Happy Day, Lord have mercy. Mm. And, you know, a lot of <laughs> folks don't know that. But uh, when you think about where God can bring you when you say yes and then you walk in that yes, it's something powerful than staying no or staying hidden. You play on exactly. that, you think about it, amen. And when you come Thank to Bethlehem, we'll do some carpet duty on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Pastor Darren. Love you. Love you too. All right Bye-bye. now. Well, we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break. We're going to pause right here. And when we come back, we're going to flip the table, so to speak, and we're going to have Minister Lieberman, Pastor Phelps, and a surprise guest join us for a roundtable question and answer discussion for those who do support an all-inclusive church and for those who do not. Again, feel free to call us at one seven one three nine five five. 0793 and press 1. Or you can send us a question via web chat on letsfaceitradio.com. So stay tuned to Let's Face It.
You're listening to Let's Face It, one of the hottest talk radio shows on the web. Are you looking for more exposure for your brand, product, event, or special story? Let's Face It Radio is the place for you. We're also seeking guest experts specializing in sex and relationships, health and wellness, politics, law, spirituality and religion, just to name a few. Looking for low-cost marketing opportunities? Well, look no further. We offer multiple advertising campaigns via website ads or audio commercial opportunities played live during the show. Visit www.letsfaceitradio.com and complete the appropriate contact form for more information. to thank my mommy for loving me so much for taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone and, and now as a grown up I'm thankful for being able to take care of you my dear mom for taking you to your therapies for understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone roles change without us noticing that's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one visit aarp.org caregiving brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. What would happen if you didn't follow the established path? Would you feel scared or proud? Could you explain that helping the people of Peru improve their own community would also have an effect on your own? Would you rather make your own way or spend a lifetime saying, what if? Life is calling. How far will you go? Peace Corps. To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or go to peacecorps.gov. Welcome back to Let's Face It. And again, we're on the topic tonight. Uh, We just had the pleasure of interviewing Pastor Darren Phelps of Bethel Christian Church in Washington, D.C. And we also have the pleasure of having Minister Tanya Lieberman of Empowered Believers Christian Learning Center um, in Hampton, Virginia, serve as our guest co-host. But now what we're going to do is change the table, so to speak. Um, we also have a wonderful guest pastor with us, and that is Pastor Young of Holy Communion Church of God in Christ in Hampton, Virginia. Uh, pastor, welcome to Let's Face It. Hello, everyone, and thanks for the voice. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. And and we want to give you, we, we've heard from the other pastor and minister on the show, but we want to give you uh, the chance to introduce yourself to our listeners and your ministry. Okay. Um, uh, as stated, I am Pastor Young, Holy Communion Church of God in Christ. We're located in the beautiful city of Hampton, Virginia, and we're certainly uh, glad to have the opportunity to discuss this issue. Um, we are, um, I guess, quote-unquote, somewhat, Last traditional Church of God in Christ, and um, we believe the Bible to be the 
finite on all things. So um, it's a great opportunity to discuss these issues that are uh, coming to pass in our community and our society today. So I'm glad to be a part of it. That That's wonderful. We're glad to have you. But I have to ask, we've heard from Pastor Phelps, I have to ask mm-hmm. both you and Minister Lieberman, do you believe, I want to ask you the same question we asked him, do you believe that you can be LGBT and Christian? And what's the theological perspective that you base your stance on? Okay. Um, I believe that the opportunity to be what we call modern-day Christian is available to all. Uh, so I don't think that that's segregated through any one group of believers or any person, no matter what type of life they decide to live. It's based upon a choice. Um, however, um, when you look at what the scripture has to say, and one based on one of the questions that was asked about um, hating the sin and loving the sinner, uh, I think we need to be clear about what the word actually says. Uh, and that says that that is what we heard, that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Um, but the scripture clearly says that you should love your enemies, and then it goes on to use a word called pray. Um, we, we have to be um, clear that even though these things are happening in our time, we still need to learn to pray because God is the has the final decision in all matters. Yes. Absolutely. Amen. And, and how do you feel about that, Minister Lieberman? I feel, um, I mean, if you look at what a Christian is, <clears throat> a Christian is someone who professes Christianity or its teachings. Um, they they want to live that lifestyle associated with Christ and uh, profess decency, kindness, fairness, those things. Um, so, yes, those that are members of the LGBT community, I consider them Christians as well because their love of God, I should say those that are professing to be Christians, yes, because their love of God is um, not to be judged by anybody. You know, who am I to judge someone because they're not, they're not me. They don't live the way I live. They don't do things the way I do things. Um, so I believe that they are part of um, Christianity just as I'm part of Christianity. Okay. You know, I had an interesting conversation with my pastor, and we were having the same discussion. Um, someone had posted a comment on Facebook, and one of the first things that he led off with was the point, if you believe homosexuality is a sin, for Minister Lieberman and Pastor Young, do you believe, according to the Bible, that homosexuality is a sin? Yes. Well, yes, I, I, I would have to say yes according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And if I would be allowed just to take point for a moment, um, when you um, look at the Bible in its entirety, uh, many people would try to say that certain parts of the scripture referencing Old Testament writing and New Testament writing, um, one was the former and the other is the latter, one being a shadow of the one that we now exist in. Uh, which is administered under grace. However, Jesus said that he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it, meaning that he wanted to give light to what was already written, which was our schoolmaster, which brought us to the point of knowing what God was wanting to accept and what he wanted to disallow. Having said that, in Romans it clearly states that there were going to be those that would leave the natural use. And mm-hmm. in doing so, I think that he was making it clear in the Scripture 
that this was a good, perfect will. Now, whatever life uh, we choose to live, we have to remember that it's by choice. And, mm-hmm. the, inclusive, and the inclusive church, by definition, um, says to us that um, inclusion is the including of being included within a group or structure. Now, to include something uh, that's clearly regulated in the word as being sin or transgressing God's law to something that is considered to be holy, it is contradictory. And so we have to be careful when we talk about inclusive. The world will allow us to include many things, and the laws are changing daily more rapidly than any of us can really uh, grab hold of. So uh, we have to be careful that we don't try to go and change God's law to suit man's law, or do we please God or man? And that's kind of the stand that I have on that particular choice of living. And uh, Minister Lieberman, do you have any comments to add as far as that's concerned and the way you operate in your particular uh, church? Yes. Um, and, and I do not speak for my church or my pastor, but I could tell you that I I am the way I am a lot because of the teachings. And I could tell you that our vision is empowering believers to build the kingdom of God. And I could say our secondary slogan is um, loving God by loving his people. And one of the things that people grasp the most, the first visit, is how much we can love people when we don't even know them. And mm-hmm. it has taught me to love so many different kinds of people. It does, for me, it doesn't matter if you're gay or you're lesbian. Um, there's people that have been ex-convicts, you know. Um, I'm not comparing sins to sins, but it doesn't matter who you are in my book because God called me to love. And, you know, being an ordained minister, there's responsibilities that I have even over the pastor's block. Um, you know, we have different tribes set up, and we're responsible for the welfare of the people. And who am I to, you know, judge what they choose to do or not do? You know, my job is to love them, show them the love mm-hmm. of God, and let God do the rest. And uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't have heaven or hell to put anybody in. You know, I have to look at myself, and I have to see yes. where God is working in me. I have to work out my own salvation. I can't mm-hmm. do it for anybody else. You know, we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And every day we have to work it out so that we can become closer and closer to God. You know, so, um, but based on Old Testament um, and Leviticus, as well as New Testament and Romans and Corinthians, um, those, those definitely are my stances theologically as to why I believe it is a sin. Okay. Now, I do have, taking that perspective of what you shared, and I want to first of all thank you for sharing that because I feel like this is the divide. We have one side that feels this way and one side that feels this way, but oftentimes we cannot get the two groups together to have an open discussion. Mm-hmm. Feeling the way that you do, how would you be able to reach particular members or souls that are part of the LGBT community. Um, I think Pastor Phelps, what he said earlier was, a lot of times these people are, and I I don't say these people to be offensive, I just say these people to identify the group of LGBT Mm -hmm. community. But a lot of times you can come into the church um, sort of a no-ask-no-tell policy. And in his example earlier, when his friends came in that were, I think he used the term glorious, 
Then all of a sudden, when they were associated with him, they were he was told that he should not minister. And that evokes another problem of when it comes to the areas of ministry and serving, and you have talents that you, you want to lead and share. If we feel that homosexuality is a sin and that we are not going to um, mix, we're not going to authorize that, you will not lead in the ministry. How would you say that typical American church, um, as we're labeling it tonight, how would you reach those members in in the LGBT community? Well, mm-hmm. first, Go ahead. Okay. First of all, um, the way that we reach as you said, the LGBT community should be the way we reach every soul. You know, it should not be characterized. I hate the fact that there is such thing as community and inclusive because that means someone's being excluded, and that should not be. Um, We should follow, if we're going to follow book, chapter, and verse, then we should follow God's commandment for love. Love thy neighbor. That's the last commandment he gave us. And if we follow that one, then we will follow all the other commandments because, you know, a lot of people will say, well, that's Old Testament, Old Testament. And, yes, Jesus came. He's our Redeemer. But because mm-hmm. he came, we have that grace that we don't have to die. You know, we don't need the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies anymore, praise the Lord. But, you know, if, if, if he didn't come, I don't know how much of the population would be today. You know, there would be slaughter and, you know, blood sacrifice still to this right. day. Um, so thank you, Lord, for, you know, redeeming us. But at the same time, you know, if we value his redemption, then we have to be that example. We have to be the light of Christ. We have to show people. How can you exclude? How can you point the finger? How can you condemn and then say you love the Lord? Because Mm -hmm. loving the Lord is loving his people. And so you show them the love of God first. You meet them where they are. And you let God do the rest. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I tend to lean towards this um, and um, according to scripture, I think it has a, a great premise. It's uh, it it requires qualifications for the position, and there were certain mandates or or demands that were placed upon he who would be minister or teacher in the house of God. And having said that, um, I think the doctrine or the the word of God itself sets the perimeters, and not man. So, um, in order for us to um, have um, Ministry as it was intended, the foundations of our Christian belief is based upon uh, the teachings and the interpretation thereof of the Word of God. So, if we were to lean towards what James would say, it says, "Whoever so shall transgress uh, or keep the law uh, and offend in one point is guilty of it all." Having said that, then the choice uh, of 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 life itself, the choice. Uh, that a person um, has to make on what type of life they're going to live will either uh, allow them to be a part or a leader in that community or it would cause them to be denied to be a leader of community. It's by their choice, and it's not segregated or set to any man's law. And in order to change the law that was written by God, I think we have to consult the actual writer who inspired those to write on his behalf as opposed to us making the changes uh, based upon how we feel or what we think inclusion should be. All right. Now, Pastor Phelps, you're still there with us? I sure am. How are you? All right. All right. I have a question for you coming from this perspective. 
Um, for those church leaders who agree with your stance on inclusion, there's often that ugly side that they deal with. Um, and not just your typical criticism, but there's also death threats, um, in addition to hate-filled rhetoric. What advice do you give them for handling that that type of response? Well, uh, let me say first of all, let me let me appreciate uh, the conversation and for the people, the pastors, ministers on the call who've expressed their viewpoint. Um, you know, there's so much to be said about the interpretation of the text, and I strongly believe that the way that you see God is the way that you often will interpret the text. You know, I'm listening to my brother and my sister um, share uh, one viewpoint that being a part of the LGBT community is a sin. But then at the same point, uh, I believe I heard you very clearly saying, well, who am I to judge and we should love them? Well, let me be very clear uh, in my standpoint and my interpretation of the text. Again, there is therefore no condemnation uh, to those who are in Christ Jesus. In my Bible, our Bible, no matter what the interpretation, clearly says that whosoever believes on God shall be saved. Uh, it does not say at any point in that particular text, if you're part of the LGBT community or what have you. I totally understand that. And one other thing is really interesting to me, and I think my brother pastor lifted this up, about having some discernment about who's the writer of the text. Often, even when Paul was speaking, he would speak sometimes and say, I'm a prisoner of the Lord and I'm speaking on behalf of God. But even in some of the rhetoric that he pronounced around uh, people who were going into immoral acts, uh, which you would find that they were doing the same sexual stuff, uh, either sleeping with one another, sleeping with children, uh, trying to uh, uh, do certain things to these goddesses and these statues to enhance their sexual activity. Um, you know, I've done some homework around the text and who's speaking and how they speak and who they are speaking to. So, you know, uh, now I can move into the place of talking about being ugly and the uh, the death threats and things that come to it. It's interesting to me uh, because Bishop Gene Robinson, as you know, who was the first openly gay priest in New Hampshire, uh, he said to me, and he also wrote in his book about how it was the church folk, Lord have mercy, it was other bishops and pastors who made him have to wear bulletproof vests because they were concerned about where he is. And I would close on this one thing. When my mother found out who I am and what we were doing, she said, your anointing and your power and the blessings and the gifting that's upon your life will silence the enemy quicker than your fist or anything else you can do. So we should be known by our works. Matter of fact, wasn't it Jesus? If you want to go into the issue around what's a sin, Jesus said categorically to the woman who was caught in adultery, you cannot stone her. Even Jesus said that there's nothing about sin because I've already fulfilled it. There's no more condemnation, even though I don't believe being LGBT is a sin. Let me be very clear. But it's interesting. The church folk will tell me, I love you while I'm here, but I'm going to put you in hell as soon as I get a chance. They may not say quite like that, but it sort of gets that way. I would say this, uh, Alicia, as we're dealing with people, be prepared, because if you're going to stand out and stand for the truth, uh, for this gospel that I believe that Jesus preached, allowed people to come to the table, the Judases, 
the gay people, the eunuchs, the same gender loving people, you're going to catch it, amen? But God will be your protector and your guide and will open doors for the fruit of God's womb to prosper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, in that scripture, that context about um, the woman who committed adultery, the reason they could not stone her is he said, he who has no sin cast the first stone. You know, Absolutely. so that's why I said we can't judge, meaning I'm not going to put to action and condemn. I will not condemn. I will love. But, you know, sin is inevitable. You know, that's why there's laws against um, murder, that, which, which is also sin. But what I'm saying is when I say love and not judge, Judging is putting an action to what you believe should happen to that person. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. what I will not do. But I will yeah. love that person. You know, yeah. I've had actually an open uh, lesbian who, I mean, I absolutely loved her as a person. She was very anointed and gifted, gifted and talented in music. And, you know, we brought her into our home for several months because she was homeless. You know, mm-hmm. I loved her. I showed her what the Bible says to do, you know, and now she's married, you know, to her lover and lives in another state. But, She'll never say that I condemned her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, God bless you for that. And I'm glad to hear that, but I will say this to you. We, the scripture also teaches us that we all have sinned, and I get that. What I'm being very clear to you is there's nothing in the text. You cannot show me anything where God explicitly said that same gender love, and I'm talking about same gender love, uh, is a sin. And, you know, it's interesting because I often will get people who want to fight around the sexual act of who I am. But the other reality is that they want to go back to traditional marriage. So I would ask Ask them, well, what, what traditional marriage do you want? Do you want to go back to the place where, as a man, I can have multiple women and sleep? Or do you want me to go back to the place where women could sit silent and be quiet and be just used as puppets and uh, do that? Tell me, tell me what you'd like me to do in the traditional, quote-unquote, traditional marriage, uh, because then you also have issues where, you know, as long as you are able to produce a child, then you are old enough to be my wife, you know, and that's a biblical reference in that. Uh, so... We, we've got some struggles in knowing that God is still speaking, amen, and God's elimin, eliminated some of those things. And I love that text, Pastor. You said that the Lord came to fulfill the law, and the law was all about grace. That's why in Isaiah he says, unto you a child will be born. You're going to get a Messiah to come and abort all this stuff because you're trying to get closer to me, but you can't get close to me by doing all that Levitical law stuff. It just wouldn't work to get us whole and be a part of Christ. Well, what is your viewpoint on Romans 1, 26 to 28? Well, come on and read it. You got time to read it? Yes, I do. I have time to read it. Um, well, it says, for this reason, God gave them up to this audible passion. Wait a minute, you got to but, slow down because everybody on this call don't have that text. So you got to tell the preachers all the time to slow down. Let the people get it. Amen. <laughs> Let the people get it because I know somebody's walking with it. So come on, Romans. Tell them where you're right. going so they'll know where you're going. I'm sorry. I'm treating you like you're one of our ministers. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm glad. That's okay. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry. That was just that pastor in me, Lord. Have mercy. That Go ahead. Do fine. your thing how you do it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. like I said, I just want to hear what, what you, you know, believe this to be. But it says in Romans chapter 1, 26, 27, and 28, for this mm-hmm. cause God gave them up unto vile affection. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And mm-hmm. likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, earned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, 
working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. And even That's if right. they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they gave them God gave them over to a reprobate mind to those things which are not convenient. And he lists okay. even more. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. All right. So I, I'm going to yield and let you tell me what your interpretation is because I feel like I've been talking so much. Come on. Mm-hmm. I'll let Pastor Young speak first. Okay, well, um, I have somewhat of a view or interpretation as well um, regarding the scripture. I was just waiting um, to hear everything that was being said. Um, I think the first thing, backing up just momentarily to address, uh, even in the woman caught in the act of adultery, the statement is made by Jesus himself. He tells her to go and sin no more. And then in Romans the eighth chapter, he clearly understood that um, that there was no condemnation to them who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And I think in question here is uh, the interpretation uh, of the scripture is giving us our point of reference. And it's clear that Paul wanted to instruct Timothy to study to show himself approved unto God, being a workman that needed to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I think in rightly. Dividing the word of truth with reference to Romans, it's clear that he was saying that uh, a woman would want a woman and a man would want a man, and because they um, because they desired to uh, seek after this, God turned them over to what He called a reprobate mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, with reference and question to uh, sin, um, these are Bible principles that. If we are going to deal with the Bible as a whole, they have to be a, a part of our doctrinal teaching, and they cannot be omitted. So uh, I agree; it, it certainly has to be referenced, but it's going to be based upon the individual interpretation. For those of us that are maybe living outside of what we call uh, traditional Christian living, there's always going to be somewhat of a, a desire or passion to be included in something. That uh, seem that that has to be finite, and the last uh, saying authority is God, and the Word of God, and so I have to couple it with uh, Galatians because if we make an attempt to mm-hmm. change this, then we have to ask ourselves who is really qualified uh, to do this. And if you look, um, and for those of you hopefully that are listening uh, who have your Bibles, I would reference your attention to. Um, uh, the passage in Galatians, um, where he says to us, "I marvel that um, I marvel that uh, you would so easily move unto another gospel, which is in fact no other gospel." Um, but he also says something else that we have to key in on, and he says, "If anyone um, um, change the law or speak indifferently of what has already been spoken, then let that person be accursed, be it man or angel. And I, I think if we bring that into play, we have to be very careful as to what we're saying the word of God mm-hmm. is saying and what we are saying the word of God is not, especially in the time in which we live, uh, because there's so many uh, people that have become, quote, unquote, um, educated or sensitized to uh, these these passages in the word, which is clearly not man's law, but God's law. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, that's a lot that you have shared and you've unpacked it. And it's interesting because in my viewpoint, um, there's a little bit of a double standard here in how you're going back um, and reaching and who's interpreting uh, the text. First of all, let me be very clear that this is not God speaking, that Paul was speaking. And Paul in his own self uh, was problematic because you have to question why was Paul, this is the same person who uh, in in many uh, doctrines and churches will quote Paul as though he is God, um, you know, but he also told the women to be silent and sit in the back. And it's interesting uh, that I know in some denominations you have some of the same challenges. But when you start looking at, you know, how do we define what Paul is using here and start thinking about uh, what Paul is actually writing and talking and sharing, you know, what's unnatural, what are these relationships that he's calling uncommon? You know, Jesus did a lot of uncommon things in his time. Now, there's also a challenge for me in the text when I think about passions and afflictions and desires and sex and things of that nature. There's many times where we can see where they were uh, either being raped or they were doing other things against either other people that was unnatural because they were taking advantage of someone else. This is not, and let me be very clear to you, this is not about love. This is not about monogamy. This is not about relationship building in which I'm talking about. And many times when you're hearing Paul or these scriptures being used without really digging into the context and the interpretation of the text, just from the surface, you've got to understand that there were times that people were going about doing things to one another that were inappropriate and was disrespectful and an abomination to God. This is not about love. This is not about respect. This is not about authentic self. And I want to be clear about that. Okay, um, and I understand your stance and your point of view, and um, also um, having um, utilized those particular scriptures, I think we have to understand that it also is a matter of choice. Uh, one thing that I have um, come to grips with is that um, as we continue on this journey, this year, as you stated that the Word of God is progressive and it's moving and it's being um, revealed to us on a day-to-day basis. We need to understand what it has already said to us about the perils and the downfalls of, of, of humanity. And uh, I don't think any sin is greater than any other, and I treat um, sin as such, the liar, the cheater, anyone who chooses to do something contrary to what God has uh, said in his word that he has disallowed. And, and and so I think we have to come to the point of being born again. And I think uh, when we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, uh, the fleshly lusts and the fleshly passions that we have uh, have to line up with what God says as opposed to what we feel. And I think a lot of times um, what we're dealing with now is what we feel as opposed to what the spirit of the word is actually saying in the time that we live in today. And so I don't have a... Um, uh, a degree or a uh, uh, or a hate for anyone or anything. So when we deal with um, people that make certain choices for their life, the Bible is clear. It says, "Work out your salvation uh, in fear and trembling." And in doing so, we have to follow the guidelines of the Word if we are going to be that disciple, uh, that Christian believer that the the Bible is talking about. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, 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 the more I hear you speak, I will say that you and I will disagree on the fact that being a same gender loving person, this is why I lifted this up uh, when you mentioned mm-hmm. Romans and the other texts, is not a sin. Uh, there's nothing, even from my hearing you speak, uh, points me to the fact that someone who's the same gender loving person is a sin. In this text, if you want to go even further in that text, you're talking about people who were either doing something with one another, they were gratifying themselves sexually and and, um, just being lustful, which everyone, regardless of their orientation or expression or gender identity, has done at some point in their lives if we wanted to be truthful about it. The church does not know how to embrace, and I'm talking about me, dealing with people from, you know, the old church, and I'm not that old, you know, when a woman was pregnant, they used to treat them like there was the worst sin in the world and have her sit on the mourner's bench until mm-hmm. God knows whatever, or they would take that poor woman and send her to the country but never do anything to the man. So mm-hmm. I want to be very clear that as we're having this conversation, and even in the text that you raise in Romans, you know, Paul is not writing about anything other than contrary to nature, as he's talking about, is people who are just going after fulfilling their lust. So I'll agree with you on that point to some level, that we should not okay. arbitrarily just lose ourselves without concentrating on who God is. But again, being a gay, same-gender-loving, bisexual, transgender, gender-nonconforming person is not sinful. And then you raise another interesting point that I think is powerful, and I think that I proved the point throughout the text, is being born again. Uh, Once we speak it and we ask it, all of us have the opportunity to be born again and be changed, not just saved, not just salvation, but being born again and understanding that. And this last piece that I think is so interesting to me that church folk will constantly do, they'll say it's a choice. You know, what you're doing or who you are is a choice. No, God made us who we are. If you go through the eunuch, if you go through, as I mentioned about Jonathan uh, and dealing with his love and that commitment, if you even wanted to go into the conversation between Ruth and Naomi, you'll find that there were uh, uh, covenants and relationships and binding loves and vows that happened. We're talking about commitment and people loving themselves as they are stepping up as gay, transgender, um, same-gender-loving people. Amen. And the text proves that on many occasions. Amen. And it is allowed by God, because God allowed all of us to come, and whosoever will, and come to the table. It's powerful to me. And I would agree with you that we would have to disagree on the actual outcome, but I think it's more of a question now, not so much of the church embracing um, but whether or not God actually embraces it. And for um, some reason, we have to make sure that uh, I don't feel that I'm going to say what God will or will not embrace other than by what he has already uh, laid out through his word. So um, I guess I'll stop there. Yeah. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I'll, and I'll share again that there's nothing in the text, nothing in God's scriptures. Even if you were to pull up the Dead Sea Scrolls, you will not find anything where God says, you as a same gender loving person uh, is damned to hell, or I don't love you, or you don't have access. Amen. That you have complete access to the kingdom of glory. Do you not uh, consider about the word abomination in the Bible as sin? Abomination? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I believe that there's a lot of abomination that's happening, but sexual orientation, people who are in healthy, monogamous, authentic walks, and who they are is not an abomination in God's eyes. That lustful, cheating, raping, those sinful things, using children as prize and fawns and doing those things is an abomination. Right. So I'm asking, do you... Is the word for you abomination, which is used in the Bible when it says you shall not lie with a male um, as a woman? It says that in the Bible, and it, then it has a semicolon, and it says it's an abomination. Are you yeah, saying the word abomination is not the same as sin? No, what I'm saying to you is the abomination is when you look through the text and you understand the history and the context of what Paul was talking about, he's talking about rape He's talking about people chasing after their own lustful desires. Listen, there's a lot of people who are in the same gender-loving community who are monogamous. They're same gender-loving people who don't have sex at all. And what I would often tell some church leaders, if you would get out the bedroom and deal with the people as a whole person, you'd have less of a problem with who I am and how God uses me in my anointing. That abomination is what they were doing to disgrace one another. It had nothing to do with love and authentic self. And yeah. so bringing out that point, and I, I have to admit I, I completely um, um, decided not to go uh, into Old Testament reference because uh, some people really don't want to deal with the shadow of what was to come, but um, in reference to the twin cities that were destroyed, most people think and they say that it was because of the choice of a homosexual lifestyle. However, that was just only a part of it. It was because of something that we call licentiousness, which give the people began to have a license to do whatever it was that felt good to them. And they had no respect or, or honor or, or fear of God. So whatever they felt like, they, they did it sort of like in the book of Judgments where anarchy was abroad and, and people did whatever they wanted to do. And so having said that, there were several things that happened. When the angels came, um, Lot wanted to give to them um, his, his virgin daughters, and they refused, and they asked for the men. And then upon leaving the city, something very interesting happened because a lot of people just referred to Lot's wife and the fact that she looked back on what she was leaving. But the young girls, because they had no mother, because they came out of a culture that was bred upon doing whatever they felt like doing, and it had no reference or moral base to God, they slept with their father because that was their common culture, to save seed. And so now if God destroyed these cities because of that mannerism or that type of lifestyle or that type of, excuse me, that type of uh, a choice to, to live that life, then the question would be, um, why are, are we so um, uh, in disagreement or in unbelief that he would be disagreeable to um, gender, uh, same-gender relationship? Well, you know, let me, let me say this. First of all, you know, if you say gay and lesbian and transgender, it won't hurt anybody. Amen. Uh, I notice that you're trying to be polite in the other things, but it's okay if you call it what it is. Amen. I'd much rather you do that. But you also actually proved my point in what I'm saying about how they were sleeping with angels and, uh, and Sodom and Gomorrah and all of that. I don't even have to go back and repeat that. I think you did a good job in laying that out for me. God 
I did not condone that. You're talking about a group of people who are not necessarily same gender loving. This is not people who are walking in their authentic self. This is a group of people who were fulfilling their own lust and going after all of their way. And certainly God would be upset if you are raping children and misusing boys and doing those things, just as we are frustrated and disgusted when those things happen. So, and you have to remember, we talked about this before, because you talk about it in Romans, but if you go back into Romans again, you'll find where God was upset with them, because again, if you are not received in this same city of Sodom and Gomorrah to shake the dust off your feet, God tells us that their sin was more about hospitality and the fact that they were, of course, using all these idols and all these other things. So the sin was really in not following God and not honoring God, because this has nothing to do with people who are in loving, committed, walking in the authentic uh, LGBTQIA self. Absolutely. Because here's the thing, you know, and I want to invite you to Bethel one day, and you'll find that there's some powerful, anointed, spirit-fed people. Even my sister Tanya, Minister Tanya, you said it. You said that you have a musician friend who's a lesbian, and she's gifted in anointing. So how is it that you could have all of that? And as you called it a sin, I certainly don't call it a sin, but be so powerful and anointed. That's because when you walk in your authentic self, you are positioned to receive and to be used by God in a great way. And the church don't like that. The church would rather us be low and be quiet and marry women and marry men when we know that's not what God's plan and God's design is for our lives, only for us to commit suicide or cause all these other problems. Then just allow us to be as God has created us to be. I have to ask a question. I have to ask a question. I'm loving the dialogue between all parties. But one thing is, regardless of what side you stand on, As far as inclusion is concerned, it's a very painful and sensitive issue that churches will probably never have an agreement on, not a total agreement on. So from your perspective, what can we do to foster dialogue and build bridges between the people of God? And then what can we do to minimize the pain and damage um, from the variance in views? That's a good question. I think one of them is what we're doing now. (laughs) Yes. Also, I would have to jump in and say that um, we would have to go back to the source. Um, The gifts and the callings of God are certainly without repentance. Before the foundation of the world, these things were already deposited and given to man. And so even though we utilize these gifts and abilities, it does not necessarily say that God is pleased with our uh, choices. Um, Having having said that, um, I think the the dialogue that we're having now um, opens up the question on either parties, not to either change your mind, but just to give people insight as to what is actually being said and what's happening in the society that we live in every day. Amen. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because I believe that there are people who have a certain level of disrespect for LGBT people because of the limited view in which they perceive uh, us. Um, You know, we're more than just your fashion designers. We're more than just uh, helping you to get your choirs together and sing your choirs. 
Uh, We've got more to offer the kingdom of heaven. Uh, And when Mm -hmm. we see the anointing and the power that's placed on everyone, you know, uh, that it really, really, in many cases, uh, will cause a disturbance in the kingdom. But you asked a powerful question. I think we ought to get ready. Because I believe that God is shifting the time uh, for everyone to come to the table. This is why you're finding, unfortunately, more pastors who are coming out. Let me be very clear to you. I am not mentally ill. I am not sick. My story is not having been raped and then coming out as gay. I am gay by design, is a gift by God. I certainly appreciate the struggles and the challenges of understanding that there are people who are not going to agree with my theology. I am Holy Ghost-filled, baptized, and if I was in the Church of God in Christ, I'd say, I know Jesus, and Jesus knows me. (laughs) But one of the things I do understand is that in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, I've watched God's hand of glory bless people beyond measure when they have yielded to their authentic selves. There's nothing mm. that you can't tell me in the Bible or the way God speaks to us, because God's Spirit is still speaking every day, that checks me. And the last thing I'm going to say is, I have been a sinner, and there are times I do sin. Sometimes I forget to say I'm sorry. Sometimes I am a little gruffy, and I'm, I, I, I forget. Amen. People will cut me off, and I'm a, not as patient. I'm not whatever. Amen. Those are sins for me. My interpretation of sin is missing the mark, and there are times I miss the mark. But my whole authentic self, who I am, the core of my soul, is not a sore. There is nothing that God has said to me, I am displeased when God looks at my soul and my heart. I believe that wholeheartedly. Well, thank you for that. You know, there's one other question that was raised as a result of this topic. And often the phrase is used, you love the the, the sinner, but you hate. Oh the Lord! And I, I have to ask it because when we were talking about this and, and and on Facebook, our Facebook page, this is one of the questions that was asked. You know, we we have Christians that say, "Well, I have gay friends," and 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 you know, we we love that person, but we hate the sin that the Bible admonishes. The question that kept coming back is. Where's the love in that? You know, mm-hmm. and, and some even went a step further and said, well, you know, are you saying the homosexual person is not as good as the heterosexual and somehow they're a second-class citizen? Um, so I definitely want to get Minister uh, Lieberman and Pastor yes. Young's viewpoint on that so we have that clarity. Okay. okay. Well, well, let, let me interject first. Oh. Let me, Sonia, hold on. Let me interject first. Because um, I was actually the one who proposed that question. And um, it basically comes from me having um, a group of friends. Like, well, I'll just say a group of people in my life who want to be friends. But at some point or another, they make the statement that, you know, they love me, but they don't love what I do. And I just find it very hard for someone to make a statement that they love someone and they can separate who they are as an authentic person. I think people fail um, in, the, in the process because they feel it's something that I picked up. It's a habit that I caught or something that I, I set out intentionally to do, but it's the way that I was born. Um, unlike mm-hmm. Pastor Darren, I do have a story where when I discovered who I was as a gay man, I, I fought it. I tried to hide it. Um, there were times when I wanted to die over it. There are people, thousands of people who die every day, kill themselves mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. 
Um, but my, my problem is when people want to be my friend and they say they love me, but they don't love what I do. That lets me know that you're somebody who I can't wholeheartedly commit to as a friend. I have to limit what I can talk to you about. I have to limit, you know, what I can bring into your area as, as, as well as what you have to do to mine. So my question is, Tanya, when we met, um, mm-hmm. you were wonderful. We laughed. We ate. We had fun. But you made a statement that really, it really turned me off. And I just want to bring it to you because you said that, um, number one, you said that you would never officiate in, over a gay wedding, which I can, I can respect mm-hmm. that. You said that you would mm-hmm. never attend one. But after mm-hmm. the wedding, you know, if they wanted to hang out, if you wanted to come over, that would be fine. But you said you have a lot of gay friends. I don't understand how you can say mm-hmm. you have a lot of gay friends. But at that point in their life, when they're getting married, the happiest day of their life, you wouldn't be there. How can you separate that? I easily separate that because, um, first of all, let me just say that there is no scripture that says specifically hate the sin, love the sinner. Um, it's taking, um, it's more or less paraphrased because um, just like um, Pastor Young said earlier, you've heard uh, Matthew uh, 5, 43 talks about you heard what was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But the, the, the actual phrase is coming from Romans twelve nine, where it says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Now, that's how I practice being able to separate because I am genuine when I love people. I give my whole heart. I'm in an industry. I'm in the music industry. I work with entertainment, and I am just around a lot of different types of people. And when I see gifts used, when I see people smile, when I see or feel a hug from someone and I know it's genuine, I'm doing the same thing genuinely. But that doesn't mean that I have to... um, what you permit, you condone. It doesn't mean that I have to marry the person um, when they when they ask to. I've been asked to officiate, and I've said no, um, because for me, as an ordained minister, it is not lawful for me, and and that's where I stand. But you know, like I said, if they're married, which I do have friends who are, um, I still love. I can't say I just whoa cut off my emotions. I don't love those people. Because God created them. They are children of God. And, and I love them because they are children of God. You know, but I'm going to do what the Word says, hold fast to what is good. And they do have good characteristics. They have good traits, you know. But what they're doing to me, yes, is a sin. But it's no different than um, someone I know who likes to cheat on their taxes and, and, and don't claim, uh, claim <laughs> kids that aren't theirs. And uh, to, to me, that's a sin because it says, thou shalt not lie. You know, there is no bigger little sin because God does not separate them. They're all sin. And so, for me, he shows his love for us. And, and, and even in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, ultimately, again, if we're pointing um, to the word, we should be demonstrating the word. If Christ died for us because of love, then we have to do what he charged us to do before he left, which is love. Just love. He's not saying... I want you to carry out the law for me. He's saying love. And I believe, I mean, it's a, it's a cliche phrase Charles Stanley uses all the time, but he says, leave the rest to God. Leave the rest to God. And, and I use that in my life because I realize I can't change anybody. I can't even bring my husband to agree on certain things that, you know, I would like him to. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I realize I can't change anybody's viewpoint. I can't change anybody's pattern or life or whatever. But what I can do is continue to love as genuinely as I can what I know to be loved by God to love other people the same way and let it be genuine. Well, thank you. 
Thank you. Pastor okay. Young, do you have anything yeah. to say about that? Well, um, I wouldn't interject that. Um, your friend, um, if a person is a friend, um, I would say that you would, to some degree, have love for that individual. And when you love somebody, you tell them the truth, even if yes. it's the truth mm-hmm. based upon your belief. So having having said that, I make it a point to tell my friends the truth. Sometimes that may be challenging or difficult, but I don't think that uh, at the end of the day it should be a really big problem because you make your choices and I make mine. But at least uh-huh. at, at that point we know where each other stands. Uh, we know uh-huh. the other belief system of that other individual, and we try to respect that belief system as best we can uh, if we're going to, in fact, uh, be friends. So on that basis, on that basis alone, um, I have to, uh, as an individual, learn to respect the choices of others. But I don't always have to agree with the choices right. of others. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that goes without saying with my friends as well, obviously. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I like those. Oh. I was gonna say there are people who will take it to the extreme and make people feel condemned, and and they are mm-hmm. wrong for that because that's casting judgment. They are not correct for that. No one should feel condemned if they're supposed to be around lovers of Christ. Right. I did want to interject that point, too, because I think in talking about this issue, you know, regardless of what side you're on, but right now we're just talking about the side where, um, for your question, Will, you know, a person Mm -hmm. does not condone that. And and they say, you know, you are my friend, but I don't believe in your lifestyle. I will not Mm -hmm. officiate a wedding. I will not attend the wedding. You know, every person that believes that stance has different degrees of how they demonstrate that. You know, some people are just, oh, you know, every day they're going to try to remind you that you're living in an ungodly lifestyle and what you're doing is Mm -hmm. just wrong. You know, I love you, but, and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. they use this, as more of a condemnation type thing. Then you have people, and I guess it really depends on the individual, they can separate the two. When they look at you, when they look at this person, when they look at your lifestyle, they may not say that they agree with it, but they're Mm -hmm. not looking at that person every day and saying, you know, look at that that ungodly sinner. Look at what they're doing. That's just disgusting, and they're doing this, and this is horrible. But you know what? I do like these qualities about them. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think depending on the person and your demonstration, they actually do have a love for Mm -hmm. that person, and they are not condemning the person. It's almost like they, they, they agree or disagree the same way, like this is your food choice, and I really don't like that food choice. But if you like it, hey, that's okay for you. I'm not going to eat it with you, but if you like that, great for you. And they genuinely do feel like they have a friendship. But I think in this discussion, one of the ways is really, I think, a person's heart and their mindset. Because there are some people, and I think that is what is most painful about this issue. They use Christianity as if it is it's almost like they're appointed by God. And they want mm-hmm. to condemn, and they want to shame you. And there are some, as Pastor uh, Phelps said earlier, 
you're condemning, but at the same time, you know, on the slide, you're picking up this person's phone number. You're you're going to bed with them, and then you come and you preach a gospel of another kind. That's a whole other category of people. So I think also when we look at people's responses and what they say and how they act, whether it's in a positive or negative viewpoint, we also have to consider what is your motive? What's your mindset? Some people's motive is love. Um, some people's motive is just hate. Um, some people have an inner conflict where maybe this is a lifestyle that you relate to and something you practice, but for whatever reason you're living a double life where you have to present this side in the church, but in your personal life you're doing the exact opposite. So I wanted to interject. I think that plays a big role in this too because um, there's always that great example of people that are really going in love, but we just have two different viewpoints. We disagree on this point, but we really do love each other, and we, we have a godly love for each other. And then there are people that are just destructive. They are hurtful. They are just demonstrative. And they may have that that label of God, but they are just being completely destructive, and they're not operating in any way, shape, or form in the love of wow. God. And that's that's not biblical because the Bible. And I'm gonna go book. I live book, chapter, and verse. It says in Philippians where it says, "Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves." And then it says, "Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus." So that's again, you know, that's the way we're we're called to do things, you know, and it's a heart issue. Where, where to me, you know, our mind has to be renewed, but it starts with the heart. Is our heart following Christ? Also, something um, to say that um, we are not wrestling um, against flesh and blood. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're not fighting each other. Um, we should be praying um, in the spirit that the will of God would be performed. And mm-hmm. in doing so, that, that takes it out of our hands and that puts it back in the hands who's most capable of making the necessary changes in our society, and that's God. Uh, somebody's going to come in and somebody's going to plant that seed. Somebody's going to water it. But ultimately, God says, I'm going to give the increase. So I, no means, uh, am a hate mongrel. Uh, I do not believe in harming anyone. Matter of fact, um, it's, it's a matter of record that uh, one of the reasons that I initially got out of the military was because I didn't want to to kill anyone. I didn't want to be a part of uh, of anything like that. So having made that particular stand in my life, uh, I recognize that there are going to be people that are not going to like your choices. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to work out um, your salvation. You have to get it right. Uh, with God, and whatever it is that God is saying to that individual, if in fact it is God, then the outcome will be much better than whatever you and I could come up with on our own. We are not fighting each other, uh, but we must understand that there are voices that have went out into the world and that there are deceivers out there uh, that would tell you otherwise. And what we discussed earlier is just a matter of the Scripture unfolding itself. It's not by happenstance that these things are happening in our day. If it wasn't dealing with uh, the the community in question now, it would be dealing with the fact that they are beheading uh, um, Christians and, and they are martyring them because of their faith. So yeah. we're not messing against each other. And uh, I want to be uh, clear on that. We're not fighting mm-hmm. the individual, but it's the spirit that drives us 
that we have to be aware and clear of and make sure that it is of God and not of self. Mm-hmm. And, and if I, I can wanna, I just want to go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, there's so much to unpack through that. And, of course, as I'm sitting here and listening to this conversation, um, you know, again, um, whether you all will respect my statements, I've, I've said a couple of times that I respect your statements, um, but we're going right back to the beginning of what my concern is, um, is that this loving uh, the person but hating the sin in uh, this matter of choice words and and it's and and um and I want you all to have permission to say gay and lesbian and not stutter over those things so that we can give people the right identities when necessary. I think that's important. But will you uh raise a very, very important piece around, you know, your journey and where you've come from? Uh there are a plethora of people who have come through us who have received their healing and are receiving their healing because of church hurt. And because of people who stand on this, I'm going to love you, but I'm going to hate the sin because you're sinful. And I have to pause and I have to say, what would happen? And you don't have to answer this, but you'd have a young gay person who's been put out of their house, been raped by their grandfather, raped by whomever it is, and they need a place to go. The last thing in the world that I believe that God would want you to say as an ordained clergy is to say, I love you, but you need to stop being a gay person. Uh, how horrible that would be. The blood of the Lord would be on that person who sends that person out and not truly love them. Because if you say you love a part of me, let me just, Lord, this almost makes my nerves shake to even think that it could possibly be a sin. But I'm going to go there just for a moment for the sake of a good debate, that if you say that I'm a sinner, but why is it that you don't have the same reaction when pastors are sleeping with women, when you've got pastors who are sleeping with children, when you've got all this cheating and this fighting, why is it not that same level of, of disgust, if you will, that comes up in this place? And even though, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you say that you're not coming out, uh, you know, hard and rough and, and, and standing against, the very fact that you are not supportive and not completely loving that person uh, is an act of resistance and opposition, and that person feels it and sees it. It's better for you to say, I'm not going to have anything to do with this person at all, than to have one foot here and the other foot someplace else. Because even Jesus says that if you're lukewarm, he'll spill you out, spit you out. And so why would we want to do that to people that we're trying to cultivate wholeness for? Isn't that what God called us to do as leaders, to interpret the text as few, truly loving and embracing? Again, I'm going to say it again, because I've not seen nor have I heard on this call where God, God's self, has said, you as a, as, as a LGBT person, same gender loving, loving person, let me emphasize that again, is a sin. It's not a sin, and we totally believe that. But those are my questions and my challenges, because if I come and sit in your church, I don't want to have to duck and weeble and wobble and wonder if today's going to be the day you're going to rock them and sock them and try to put me in my place around my sexual identity, because guess what? That is just a small part of who I am. I am a father. I am a leader. I am all these other things that God is using me and so many other people on this call that my sexual identity, if you will, is a small slice of who I am. And I wanted to share that because I think it's important that we do that. And, and, and a matter of choice 
Uh, people talk about the choice all the time. We don't choose who we are when we're born. We didn't choose to be male, female, bisexual, gay, lesbian. We didn't choose. We didn't choose a lot of things in our lives. But as God created us to be who we are, we embrace it and we walk in in our authentic self. This is why we've got to celebrate the people who didn't commit suicide, the people who didn't leave the church. Think about how many people have gone away and started new religions and new thoughts. It's because the church folk have run them away into these other false things. I believe God is displeased with those things that we've run off some good anointed people who should have stayed in the kingdom. You know, I had that conversation with somebody because of the show coming up. And, you know, we we talked about that. Why is this so huge? You know, but we laughed and we said, well, you don't see people until they get caught for tax evasion. Uh, you know, the blue-collar people, you know, going to jail for crimes. Um, the pastors who get found out that they've committed adultery. It's because all this stuff is done on the down low. Like, nobody knows until it comes out. Whereas the LGBT community is what it is. It's a community. People have decided to be open and come out. And for, for us who say it's a sin, we feel like they're coming out and exposing their sin. Whereas the other people, of course, are hiding the sin. And there are laws against sin, but not all sin. Uh, there's not a law that says that you cannot be gay. But there is a law that says you can't, you can't um, steal or rob or commit murder or even lie. Because if you're in court, you get a penalty for that. So... You know, it's interesting, and I'm enjoying this conversation to hear all viewpoints. But these conversations come up all the time more than you think because people don't know what to do because there's no law that says that you can be arrested or put in jail for being gay or lesbian. You see what I'm saying? Well, Minister Tanya, I need to disagree with you and tell you that there are laws. You can go to Uganda right now, and there are people who are losing their life. You can go to Jamaica and Mexico. No, I'm okay. Here in the US. Oh, well, then let's let's talk a little bit about the laws where there's discrimination, where it's a trans person, either black or white, is being murdered and beat down, and when those things happen, the church does not stand up and cry around that level of violence. And there are plenty of times the person who has perpetrated the violence is let off with some low penalty or something like that. So there are laws, mm-hmm. even though they're not written. But that's a part of the, oh, okay, I love you, saying. but I don't want you to die. You know, there are stories. Go to the transgender awareness, and you'll hear stories of people in the gay, lesbian uh, educational network of students who have horrific stories of people who have done things to them, preachers, teachers, lawyers, and these folks have gotten off. The law allowed them to get off. So I want to disagree with you in a respectful way that even though it may not have said it like Uganda, there are ways that people are getting off of these laws. I witnessed for myself. I watched the preacher come all the way when I was uh, – some. I won't even mention the school on this on this mm-hmm. thing. But this person, right. had, let's just say that I've witnessed some things in my life mm-hmm. and watched these big-name preachers come down to get their sons – who beat up somebody who they perceived as being gay and, and, and just got off scot-free. So they're all not in agreement. Me, they're yeah. all. I'm not in agreement with that. And what you're describing is people reacting to gay and lesbians, and that is, those actions to me are sin. You know what I'm saying? I'm, what I'm saying is, I, I said what, exactly what I said. There's no law that says it's illegal to be gay. Like you said, there's an unwritten law, which is where people are reacting and committing crimes against them. That is wrong, and I agree with well, that being wrong. And there are some laws where, as a gay person, it is permissible for me to be fired. 
it is permissible for me to not gain employment, to have the same opportunities in education. Yes, there is. There are still education and, and uh, uh, jobs. There are states where it is legal for you to discriminate if I or if you perceive that I am a part of the LGBT community. That's why we don't have marriage equality and all. That's why there are right. many, many places that do not have discrimination based on not just sexual orientation, but gender identity, gender expression all across the books. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. even some of your churches can discriminate and do that. And it's right. legal. You're fighting now around this end uh, piece and all of these things with the religious exemption because there are church folk who want to continue to discriminate. <laughs> Right. They want to continue to cause an abomination, and you can't tell me that's God's plan. I don't think we agree well, on the same. I want to move beyond that because we are nearing the end of the show, but I wanted to bring your attention, all of you. I wanted to, um, something that I'm sure that you've heard of. Um, 34,000 black churches left the Pentecostal church. So the, the National Black Church Initiative, which is Presbyterian, Presbyterian. Um, Presbyterian, okay, thank you um, Of 34,000 churches comp- It was comprised of 15 denominations And 15.7 million African Americans They broke fellowship With the Presbyterian church After it recently voted to approve Same-sex marriage So with this being in the Supreme Court Now, and this question is for each of you Do you foresee this being a trend across the nation um, Once, you know If they vote that it's going to be lawful across the country, not just state by state, that they will have to recognize same-sex marriage. Do you see more and more churches breaking off and and, um, revolting against this? And you can just speak that well. Okay. Um, I'll jump out there then. Um, Well, the first thing is um, I think it's a question of what the state has to say about the religious community. And I think there has always been an apparent conflict as to what the church believes as opposed to what the state believes or the government. And taking it to a new level, prayer in churches, the commandments and the judicial system, um, it clearly says that there is somewhat of an indifference in there. And so to bring them into matters of Christian doctrine is a problem in itself. So I would perceive that there are those that are going to be bound by their Christian belief and their faith in God, uh, according to their interpretation, that are going to be moved by this and would have to, at that point, make a choice whether or not to stay where they are or to move. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. What about you, Pastor Leverman? Mr. Leverman, I spoke that into existence. Pastor, thank you. Um, So, well... This is where sometimes it gets a little political, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't speak for everybody. Um, knowing my stance that I believe that it is a sin, um, whatever decrees are made, um, and that's one thing that's interesting. This has been happening since, you know, the fall of man pretty much. But now all of a sudden in the last several uh, decades, government has decided to pick this up and, and get involved. And so the churches are impacted, and they're going to make decisions that they feel are best for leading their flock. 
and I can't agree with some things, and I and I you know I can't agree with some things um, because as you probably can tell, there's some things I'm very neutral with because I have a love for people beyond a normal level. I really have been called to love, and there's just some things the church just can't operate in that I disagree in. And some of it may be doctrine because, you know, a lot of doctrine is man-made. And I have to find in some very traditional churches, well, you show me book, chapter, and verse, what that says about that, you know, because that's how I've been raised. Um, and I thank my pastor for always saying that, you know, there is no truth in some man-made doctrine. Um, so it's hard to answer this question because there's things I do agree with, but there's things I disagree with. Well, well I'll, I'll very quickly, uh, Will, because I know time is of the essence. Um, you know, I'd go back and just remind us that there are many denominations that are on the cutting edge of really doing the work around inclusivity. You know, UCC, some Methodists, Presbyterians, Disciples of Christ, the list goes on and on and on. But I am reminded uh, how we sat at the table, and of course this is around my mother's time, when we went around voters' rights, um, dealing with marriage, it was a sin uh, to marry a white person. If you were black, um, people were stoned and they were put in jail. And the churches did little to nothing because uh, some of the struggles that were going on then, and we complained about the government being in place. The government has a voice in this, but I believe that if uh, the churches decide to do what they're going to do, uh, that at least there's some laws on the books to protect people from being abused and harassed and the yeah. things that are happening. There has to be some recourse, uh, unfortunately, from the things that are happening in this world. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's not just a moral right. It is a civil right. And I believe that yes. God's going to shift the time in my lifetime. All right. Well, I guess that's the final word. <laughs> yes, yes, and, you know, is. we want to awesome. thank... Yes, we want to thank each and every one of you for coming on, providing your expertise, but more importantly, your heartfelt passion for God and God's people on this topic. Mm-hmm. So we, we thank you. God bless you all. And just thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bless you all. Likewise. Well, we ask that you would join us next week. We'll be talking on the topic of a beautiful divorce. Author Sandrine Hines says her divorce was one of the biggest successes for herself and her family. Against all odds, she transformed what everyone expected to be an ugly, hurtful, and destructive divorce into a respectful, kind, caring, and supportive family with her ex-husband. So we ask that you join us next Sunday, May 17th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Let's Face This. Awesome, awesome. Well, at least you did a great job. It was a wonderful show. I think we had yes, it a was. great, yeah, I hope a lot of people were blessed by it. I, I was really blessed by it. So, All um, right. I'm hoping so to hear it. Anytime and we can have that open discussion in love and there's not hate rhetoric and a bunch of fighting, Exactly. That's just awesome. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. We should do more of that in the world. All right. All right, then. Well, make sure that you tune in next week. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn. And I'm your host, Alicia Brown. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information 
on future shows, special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week, same time, same place, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. When Cynthia came to TurboTax, she had just launched her new side gig, a true crime podcast. I'm a first-rate detective with a golden voice. As her TurboTax expert, I made her second income count by guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and her maximum refund. <clears throat> what did she do with that refund? Find out next week. Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.